Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to your Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell. Ross Petrus in Toronto with a lovely sweater, Ross. How are you doing? Thank Very good. And it's getting a little bit crisp outside now, so I'm very happy. I'm a, I'm a fall boy, which is just perfect for Canada. <laughs> a fall, fall boy. boy. That's lovely. <laughs> Kathy Petrus, how's fall in Spain? Well, it's getting crisp here today. Right this second, it's only 78 degrees. So. Oh, 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 oh. Get those sweaters <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> well, today we're just going to sort of do a little bit of a mailbag day. We've had some really interesting questions come up lately, so we'll get to some of those. But first, you guys came across apparently a new phrase that's entering into English? Yes, it's whom of which. Wait, what? Which... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we never heard it either, but apparently it's catching on. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you an example right now. They were developed, I mean, this is used apparently uh, quite frequently in upscale language as well as slang. Uh, here's an example. They were developed by non-medical professionals, whom of which have applied their skills. Or, thanks to XXX for providing high service throughout the whole day as well as club chairman Bob and Chrissy, whom of which man the kitchen. Wow. That seems Isn't it amazing? Well, it seems wholly unnecessary, but where did this uh where did you guys come across this? I ran across an article from MIT. <laughs> I don't know why it showed up in the Yeah, Kathy doing things. her standard MIT. Yeah, you know, maybe engineering. I'm always, you know, yeah. fluttering around with these things. And um this article said, Have you heard about the whom of which trend? And I was like what whom of which trend? <laughs> <laughs> and um, the guy, uh, it's a professor of linguistics, David Pesetsky, was asked about whom of which by a uh, student. And she said she hears all the time. And he, she wrote a paper for him, Introduction to Syntax. And he says now it's like you're, they're finding it's an overlooked phenomenon. No one has heard of it. But young people have. Hmm. And they're using it. And they've now, Kathy and I had a debate about this. We think, other than the MIT people, their idea basically is they call it pied piping. And the WH, whom, what, who, whatever, pull back other words with it. Like, what kind of uh, wine do you want to buy? And that sort of thing. And they're saying, whom is like pulling back the of which, even though it's not necessary. I don't like it, personally. I, I think it sounds ugly. I also, I, I know they're saying this is the Pied Piper thing. I think it's just, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm going to be really blunt. I don't get it. Why, why, whom of which? Why not whom? Or who? Yeah, who, yeah. Or which? I mean, I, I don't I don't understand the construction. And I understand that they're saying the Pied Piper thing, the huh sound, so you, you keep doing it. But it doesn't make any sense to me. I think it, it uh, to me, it, I mean, I mean, language has redundancy built into it. 
And I mean, not built. I mean, we use redundancy to get the point across even more than than necessary, but kind of hammered home. And I have a funny feeling in this sense, that's what they're doing here. A group of non-medical professionals, whom of which have applied their skills. Obviously, who applied their skills is better. But I think that we're getting into the idea that some people in this group applied their skills. Uh, that's all I can really I, 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 answer. The interesting thing to me, though, is the the, the woman who ha- was the first person who brought the question up, a student actually brought it up, said um, she thinks when she had done it that it sounds more formal. And we mm. go back to something we have talked about a million times on the podcast, which is when you do things to sound fancy, I say, hotsy-totsy. And, and and she thinks that that's part of it, that it's it sounds a little more formal. You're taking time. But I'm going to interrupt you here, Kathy. But apparently it's used casually a lot. But then you want to sound formal. Like you want to sound smart when you're being casual. No, I, I'm not kidding. Maybe. I, maybe. I, I think that, that once it gets ingrained in your head, you just use it. Yeah. And in, in both cases. The one they thing do think I it's like, generational, though. I want to point that it out. It is That's generational. Yeah. It's, not, it's not regional. It's generational. The one thing I sort of like about it, as someone who was raised on who and whom, <laughs> this is a great way. This is a great it, it, reintroduction of whom into the, into the language. We were talking a couple <laughs> podcasts ago or a while back how whom was disappearing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's back. I actually must say I'm going to disagree with you in a, in a, in a very polite way, I'd like to add. Um, I am seeing whom all the time, but used incorrectly. I think that you're seeing, I think whom is huge again because hmm. people think it sounds smart. I, I, I can't tell you how often I'm seeing whom. Oh, that's, really, that's interesting. I'm seeing it often. I want to look it up on Ngram to see. But that's in books. That's not. I know, but we're, it's, it gives us like a, a <laughs> snapshot. I think there's... I swear to God, I like Facebook, uh, whatever. It's just people are using whom when it, when it should be who. And I, I have seen people correcting people for using who and say that should be whom. Mm-hmm. And the poor person corrects it. And I'm thinking it was supposed to be who, but I don't <laughs> want to be rude now. You know? This is interesting if I can interrupt your soliloquy. Um, <laughs> whom actually has dropped steadily. From the 1800s all the way to about the low point was 1990. And mm. it's eking its way back up, just sort of slightly going back up. So maybe you're right there, Kathy. I think that if you look on social media, I, I, I'm saying casual use of whom. And when I say casual, I tend to mean incorrect use of whom. I say it's way up. Just my opinion. Yeah, I'm looking at it too. I, it could be. And I think which of whom would basically fit your your category because it's That's not what used. I think. Yeah, yeah I think exactly. It fancy. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It just seems like too much work. I don't. I don't know why. Do, why do people make more work for themselves? Just say who. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, just moving, go. I'm sorry, Ross. No, moving along. I thought we could get going on with the Fletcher test. Oh, it's a test. Oh. Lovely. Okay, we're having a mailbag test today. Yeah, these are based on letters that we've gotten, and we decided to like formulate them into a, a test, or some of them into a test. And the first one may make you, let's say, a little tense, okay? <laughs> we're going to give you a sentence, and we're going to ask you what verb tense is being used here. Oh, no. Okay? 
this is I think we should probably have a special episode on this because people don't know. T- I mean, I'm not sure it's necessary, but it's interesting. OK, here's the sentence. Do you New know times. Do you know Haitian uh, Haitian Creole does not use verb tenses? <laughs> They simply use. The I know, word. and that's why okay, we all are okay. better well, off speaking Haitian there. Creole. <laughs> I guess. I guess I should correct myself. They don't conjugate their verbs. They they have tenses, but they, they don't tenses. conjugate. Yeah, we all have tenses. The key. The key question is: You're right, Fletcher. Very good. The conjugation is what counts. Anyway, let's conjugate here. The Pulitzer Prize-winning author has written five books in six years. Okay, has written. Has written right. First of all, I want to I want to say that um, some people will have their ears perk up there. Uh, it is Pulitzer rather than Pulitzer. <gasps> you are correct. <laughs> Just because we're a podcast called "You're Saying It Wrong," uh, <laughs> that's funny. I I always do it. I always say Pulitzer. I, so I do just I realized that. So do, do I. You? It must be a Petrus thing. Yeah. It must be. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. I wasn't going to admit it, but uh, but all the way back has written. Um, yes. Okay, you you guys, th- this is the worst possible quiz for me. I mean, I know, I know um, present tense, and I know past tense, and I know like uh, what's it called when it's if were if they were. Anyway, see, I can't even remember what that one's called. No, I don't know what has written is, other than other than past tense it's something that happened in the past okay let's let's there are three basic main verb tenses in english you're correct fletcher present past and future Mm -hmm. okay but now we have that hases and all of those we're getting into (laughs) a little bit more tricky stuff okay so let's go we have simple past is danced continuous past is was dancing Mm -hmm. past perfect is had danced So we had has, we had what? Has? Has written. Has written. So what do you think? Let's go back. That isn't even the same as had written, though. No, No, had written is different. Is has present or past tense? Has is present. Right. Okay. Okay, So now we have the the, the tenses we're going to have to go through is simple present. Okay. Does it sound like it's simple present to you? No. No. It doesn't sound simple at all, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Past perfect. Does it sound like it's past perfect? No, because it's present. So it's like present past perfect or something. So it's present perfect. Very good. It's Fletcher. just present perfect. Well, I yes. think we're going to explain perfect tenses. It's not. It's it's not just what happened. It, it it's like what could happen after it as well. So it's perfect to me. Or kind of. Um, wow. Past perfect happens before another past event right and a present perfect it's happening with the thing it happened at another time but it also keeps on well no it also might follow right so he has written seven books or whatever and the potential exists for him to do more yeah it it basically it's an event that occurred in the past but it has a connection to the present yeah that's that's nicely put ross that's nicely put we are currently in the state of him having written seven books. Yes. Wow. Correct. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. Fletcher, we're enamored of your knowledge, or are we enamored with your knowledge? Of, with, or by your knowledge of English. Oh. Enamored of, enamored with. This is, okay, now this is something, uh, here's what would happen. I, I might want to write this for some reason in a movie review or something, which I do from time to time. And 
what I would say is, wait, is it enamored of? I want to say enamored of. I want to do that. But but something else, see, it could be enamored with. So I would look it up on the internet. You know, Google is enamored of or with, right? And then the what would come up would tell me basically they're all okay. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> that would be the story of, of those, yeah. I, I am like, I'm one of those snots who always says enamored of. Uh-huh. I do. Um, and that apparently is much more British than not. I mean, it's almost exclusive. Brits almost exclusively say enamored of. They don't do enamored with or with enamored by as much. Americans use both enamored of and enamored with. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that enamored of is more of a romantic thing and enamored by is more like, ooh, I'm, I'm, this is fascinating. But they're, they're both correct. <laughs> I would still say almost always enamored of. I don't think I've ever said any of the others. All three are correct, though? Yeah. Well, the weird thing is, because I was poking around, well, we both were, and they're saying enamored with. A lot of people seem to think that enamored with is more both of you are, are enamored of. So it's oh. more, that's, there we go with the romantic thing. I'm enamored with my husband, and hmm. he is enamored with me, I assume. He's not here. I've never felt that with with enamored with because you know because often i'm not even enamored uh, what i want what i'm talking about being enamored with is not even another person or something that could also be enamored yeah no i agree with you on that one i i thought that was an odd thing and then some people enamored by i have never used have you guys no and I, i think the key point really though with english and here we go again is that English does not have an academy. So all of these are, it's anything goes. And it's, <laughs> Kathy just asked, have you ever heard this? Have you ever used this? And that's the key. Do we use it enough so it sounds okay? And so it sounds like it's correct. We all have a kind of a national consensus. Mm-hmm. Enamored of sounds the best. And I think that's really the key. Here. Now, was there ever a time when one of these was the only correct version? Well, again, yeah, what defines correct? Yeah, you know, I... I I ask that question a lot, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it enamored of has almost always been used. Okay, but as has though Ross, I would argue that so has enamored with in American. Yeah, as much as enamored of. So I mean, if we're gonna say, you know, British English, yeah, only enamored yeah. of. But I would say in American English, enamored with. I don't know. I don't have in front of me. I didn't look it up now. Actually, the frequency of of the two i'm gonna to go to google and grammar i am doing it as you speak i was doing <laughs> you're so fast on that keyboard and i don't see any in there uh, i see a, a enamored of is bizarre it goes up and down <laughs> like like i mean like a no tomorrow and they don't have i don't finding a narrow enamored with i haven't found any enamored with ah but i'm spelling enamored without the u i'm spelling it the american way Okay, I spelled it the I spelled it the British way. Let me go back. Enamored with has skyrocketed. Oh, has it? It was way lower than enamored of. Yeah, it's interesting. They're they're getting neck and neck now. So we're gonna basically have a consensus that both are okay. Mm-hmm. Is what we're. But saying. I don't like enamored by. I don't either. I don't particularly, but it doesn't make any difference. I really. don't mind. I don't mind any of them. They're all okay with me. <laughs> But I think that's also the key to the language at this point. These are all these. None of these sound jarringly incorrect. Right. And they all we, we, we've all said our, our basic uh, mantra here is is clarity. And I think all of them. If I said I'm enamored with this show, I'm enamored of this show. Both sound to me fine. Enamored by doesn't, though. 
Well, I just found a, a Washington State University professor who wrote, and I actually, I don't agree with them necessarily, but I like the example. He says, if you're crazy about ferrets, you're enamored of them. It is less common, but still acceptable to say enamored with. But if you say you are enamored by ferrets, you're saying that ferrets are crazy about you. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I enjoy that and I get what he's saying, but I don't really think it's true. I think we can be. I agree with you. By something. I, I, I think so, too. Yeah. OK, moving on. We have a letter from Carl from Milwaukee. He's Hi, asking us to cover this. A scientist and he's going crazy. <laughs> he wants people to know. And we're going to see if Fletcher does. The difference between theory and hypothesis. We've covered mm -hmm. this before mm -hmm. in our books. Mm hmm but it doesn't seem to be hammering home to the public at large. So let's do it again. They've got to buy our books, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> well, a hypothesis is sort of an idea that I've formed that I want to test to see, um, to see if it's true. A theory is something that has been tested and has more scientific data to back it up. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it can't, it can't reach the level of a law um, or hasn't, I guess, but it's something with a lot more data behind it. You're good. Mm -hmm. Carl will be a very happy man. <laughs> you, you got it. I know. He has it. You got yeah. it. So therefore, when I say, oh, come on, evolution's only a theory. Right. You're saying that then, then, then really I should be saying, yeah, it's a theory. It has a lot of data to back it up. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's fascinating because that's a problem because the, the, as we all know, the issue is that to the non-scientists among us, usually you think the theory is a guess. It's sort of something that's not proven. I've got this theory about evolution, mm -hmm. but I don't know yet. And a hypothesis, what do people really think? A hypothesis, they think that it's an educated guess, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the layperson. I mean, the, the big problem is that we have two different definitions for theory, one based in the scientific world and one just based right. in our day-to-day -day world. And, 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 I mean, that causes enormous problems because we are often talking about scientific ideas. And so when that line is blurred, people don't know which theory, people may not know what the scientific theory is, but even mm -hmm. if they do, they may not know which theory is, is being used in any particular context. So it, it's a huge problem. And we have the same problem with hypothesis. I just looked at uh, Merriam-Webster, and one of the definitions of hypothesis is conjecture. It's not even an educated guess. Mm -hmm. It's just a wild guess, mm -hmm. too, in that sense. So, no, I mean, we have to really clearly differentiate scientific and non-scientific use, I think. For these yeah, because, I mean, I think colloquially I would say I have a hypothesis about this, and I would definitely not mean, you know, it's, it's a tested or anything. No, I would say the same thing with theory. I have a theory that, you know, these guys are really wrong. And I, I, I think, I don't think I have tested it. I just, I would just throw it out as like a guess. I would use them interchangeably. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I use it all the time, even though I, I basically know the difference. But, you know, but also I'm talking to people and I, I'm assuming that they know what I mean when I say I have a theory about something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't, I don't think I've ever said it to scientists come to think of it. So I don't know if they'd like, no. you know, Blanche, you no. know. <laughs> I know. Okay. This is one. It's so funny because Ross wanted to include it and I was against it initially saying, oh, come on. And then I looked, the more we like, talked about it, the more confusing it was. So <laughs> we're going to the world of literary, literary devices. Oh, good. Simile versus metaphor. 
Okay. Okay. She and her father are like two peas in a pod. Simile or metaphor? Right. Well, uh, well the way I was always taught is that it uses like, and so it's a simile. Okay, then I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> She's just like her father. <laughs> That's just a simple comparison. <laughs> You're right. Okay. <laughs> Here you go. But... As Ross said, because I got, I, I, we talked about this. As Ross said, though, now say if, Ross, you have to explain it because it was your theory. And I'm okay, like, this is, I, I'm not sure this really goes, but what if she's not just like her father? I just said she's just like her father. <laughs> now, is that a simple? <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, it sounds like a flat lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we started getting down the rabbit hole here. But... I've never thought, of, I, I got to be honest, I've never thought about this I, I this is the first time i've thought about she's just like her father and whether that's a simile a metaphor or just a comparison or something else entirely okay but you're completely correct it's just a figurative comparison okay but then i began i did we did begin to wonder if she's not like her father does that sort of make it uh a well simile? we did ross actually you did <laughs> you I, I started guess, convincing I began, me <laughs> i know i'm sort of confused i'm like what if like her father is a bear and she's a human and somehow i don't know there's something you know but actually that's an interesting concept though it could be a figurative comparison which would make it a simile yeah or sort of i don't i don't i mean her Ursine father <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's like from a different planet or something it's like a bear and you know whatever i don't know let's don't go there now she and her father are peas in a pod right now that's a metaphor because they are not right. they're not literally peas in a pod although right. they could be they could I be i suppose so I, i'm going to go back to the... be a bear <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. Every so, okay. time I hear a metaphor, I'm sorry, I'm interjecting. I forget what play was it? Moonlight. Uh, Howard Harold Pinter's Moonlight, and in it, one of the characters says, "A metaphor." Now the evening is looking up, and I always <laughs> think that whenever I hear a metaphor. <laughs> so we have we have a definition right now of simile, which is vivid imagery that draws surprising connections between two unrelated things. Such as they're like peas in a pod. Using the word like as or than, Ross, that's key. That is key. Now, what's a metaphor then, Fletcher? Uh, a metaphor is um, a direct description of something as something else. Yes, very good. You didn't need the question mark at the end. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> so? So, so it, they are like two peas in a pod, simile. Because you're comparing them to two peas in a pod. They are two mm. peas in a pod metaphor because you are directly saying that that is what they are. Right. Perfect. Should we go into mi mixed metaphors or let's skip mixed metaphors? Oh, I love mixed metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We were talking. We love, we, a long time ago, we did our, for one of our books, we did uh, you know, a book on stupid things said, and we loved Sir Boyle Roach. Have you ever heard? No. He was famous for mixed. He was an Irish uh, MP, famous for mixed metaphors. Uh, the one of our favorites was Mr. Speaker. I smell a rat. I see him floating in the air. But mark me, sir, I will nip him in the bud. <laughs> it's so evocative. That's yeah. exactly it is. what I was going it's to say. Beautiful. Exactly the word I was going to use. <laughs> we also had uh, Rush Limbaugh. Sorry who said, I knew enough to realize that the alligators were in the swamp and that it was time to circle the wagons. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Eloquence. Now, in both cases, and in cases above, they, they were metaphorically speaking. Correct mm -hmm. or not? Yes. Yes. 
That test was murder. That's metaphorically speaking. We had a question. What if they were speaking in similes? What would you say? Similically speaking? So, oh, so that's what you mean. Yeah, simil- <laughs> yeah. Simil- simile, similically, similically speaking? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, we decided uh, that's an adverbial form of simile. We decided they would say figuratively speaking. Ah, yes. Okay. Way to, way to wiggle your way out of that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I, I do say metaphorically speaking when it's a simile. And I think that's fair. I guess what? If Kathy says metaphorically speaking, when it's a simile, is that incorrect, Fletcher? Um, <laughs> my my bigger question is, 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 is she using a metaphor when she does that? <laughs> 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 uh, I, I want to say it's not incorrect because you asked that question. <laughs> yeah. If we hadn't asked the right. question, Fletcher, <laughs> then would you have thought? I would have thought it would be incorrect, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this is what we love since we were doing like a definitions of metaphorically speaking, and it's in a way that constitutes a metaphor or figuratively speaking, not literally, or as a symbol or emblem representing something else. So then we looked up figuratively speaking, it said in a way that involves or invokes a metaphor or a figure of speech. Okay, we're fine. Mm-hmm. But then we got up to, let's look up metaphor again. And a definition is all figures of speech that achieve their effect through association, comparison, and resemblance. Figures like antithesis, hyperbole, Mm -hmm. simile, Mm -hmm. are all species of metaphor. So simile is is like a subcategory of metaphor. Right. Fascinating. I love it. (laughs) All similes are metaphors, but not all metaphors are similes. Yeah, that's good. So Kathy was speaking metaphorically. She was speaking correctly. See, but what bothers me, my head is going to explode at this point. <laughs> now, is that a metaphor or is that a simile? <laughs> I mean, a someone tell me, for God's sakes. <laughs> well, I, that's a metaphor, right? Because otherwise you would have said my head is going to be like an exploding thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. Like an exploding watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.